This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Hello and welcome to The Rest is Football with me, Gary Lineker, Alan Shearer and Micah Richards. Uh, a very Merry Christmas to you all. We missed doing this actually for a few days, but um, we're back now. Um, hope everyone had a, a wonderful Christmas uh, at home and or wherever you celebrated it. How about you too, Alan? Yeah, very good. Thanks. All uh, all good. A um, couple of members were, well, the family were sick, but apart from apart from that, they caught caught some bug or whatever. Were you um, cooking but, then? Was that the problem? Yeah, no, no, you know me better than that. I don't cook. I can't cook. I'm not like you. But other than that, yeah, all uh, all good. Thank you. Very good, Micah. Yeah, it was actually quite quiet this year. Uh, my brother and sister come round, and we just had a nice, relaxing day. I've got one question for you, Micah. One but question I'm first. Put it out there before you ask me a question. Oh, go on. Guys. Christmas is overrated, isn't it? I mean, <laughs> literally. Of course it is. Literally, it's the biggest myth in the history. So what, what happens is, a couple of weeks before, everyone stresses themselves out to go get gifts. And, you know, it's supposed to be about family. And then you go buy a gift. The day later, it's half fucking bright. I just, <laughs> I, just, I, just oh. I just can't get my head around it. Listen to the fucking Grinch. Listen to yeah. it. Bar humbug. <laughs> oh, I, I bet you never even put a tree up, did you? Not a chance. <laughs> the only only thing that matters about Christmas, Micah, is, is did you beat your record for pigs in blankets? <laughs> you know what? Uh, my sister was was doing the uh, the dinner, and I seen the pigs in blankets, and there was only one pack of pigs in blankets. I said to her, "You're taking a you're taking a mick out of me here." I only had five. Can you believe that? I used to have five. about five. That's not even a pre-starter for you. <laughs> That's what I mean. 
She's not coming again. She's definitely not. I mean, what a She's disappointing Christmas again. you've had. <laughs> See, that's why Alan and me work quite hard over Christmas because there comes a point where you need to escape on Boxing Day and, and oh, get out. Otherwise, you just keep scoffing. Yeah. yeah, and you need to get and you need to get rid of the in-laws out as well. You've had enough of them, haven't you? After, after I'm, I'm always volunteering to work on boxing. Yeah, I'll work, no problem. Yeah. Need to get I, out. I, I presume they don't listen to this podcast. <laughs> <then>. <laughs> I love you, really, guys. It's all right. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, um, did you get anything nice? Yes. What did you get? I, I did. I got. I got some um, shoots. I got some from the from the boys all club together and, and and got me a nice a slow cooker. They know what keeps me happy. Anything to do with the kitchen, um, and an air fryer. I had one of those as well. Ooh, and can I say at this page, this is not a sponsored read. <laughs> 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 it's not at all. But I'm, I'm, so I'm going to give that a go. So um, yeah, all in all was um, uh, pretty good. Um, Alan. You were working as well um, yes, last night um, yeah. because we're recording this on Thursday morning um, doing the Manchester City get co-coms mm. again. I, yeah. I, I hate to say it. I'm begrudgingly going to say this, but you're actually quite <laughs> good at co-coms. Well, thanks, guys. Yeah, it was... Uh, no, it I was don't think Michael to... agrees with me. <laughs> so. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, no, I don't agree. He only talks about strikers and his position. Look at his awareness and the technique and the... Oh, my God. Give the defenders some love, Alan. Give the defenders some love. Defend but anyway. Fuck defenders. Yeah. <laughs> Decent game, though. Yeah, it was a great game. I thought, mm. I thought Everton were really good in the first half, but then... Uh, Pep obviously got stuck stuck into them a bit at, uh, at half time, and they were much better second half. Man City, they were, I thought they were brilliant. Yeah, he, I mean Stones went off injured. I thought, oh, okay, that might affect them because you know how great he is in the middle. But Varial came on, and um, they just got better second half, and in the end, thoroughly deserved it. I, I thought. Um, I mean, Dyche has clearly improved um, Everton since it, since he's been there. They they look much. I think much more likely to win games than and and that shows that proved in recent times. And but. You know, against City, I mean, they're so good, aren't they? What about the penalty decision, guys? That got that. Um, the, I mean, that got them the second goal, didn't it? I mean, um, Forden's great strike was incredible. I know Pickford was unsighted and going to his right and, and left it too late. But then the penalty decision. What's your thoughts on it? I mean, I, we've said it before. The, the handball's a complete and utter uh, mess, isn't it? I mean, it's mm. ridiculous. Now, I have, and I also have to say, I think the ref was possibly influenced be, because of the actions of some of the Man City players, you know, that were right in front of him, appealing and making it very difficult for him not to give it. But the handball law, what a load of crap. I think that's the problem with the handball law. It's 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 so muddled, so confused, so many different parts to it. It's it's confusing for, for everybody. And just, they've got to simplify it. I mean, we've heard, haven't we, Al, that they, they're looking at it. Making it harder for the referees. I mean, they're meant, they're meant to make they're meant, all of this... VAR and everything else meant to try to make it easier for the referees. It's harder now than it's ever been for a referee because of all the shit that they come up with. What is the actual law? Because we talk about it in, in, in BBC on, on Match of the Day all the time and we talk about unnatural position and we talk about the, the silhouette, but it's always going to be subjective, isn't it? Really? Absolutely. Of that, is, that is the problem. For me, it's always going to be subjective. How can we simplify the law to make it easier for everyone? 
deliberate handball, pretty simple. Yeah, I think which is what it used to be. Now, most nearly all the handballs are not deliberate. We know that. So, um, and that's how it used to be. And to be honest, you get the odd one where you'd whine a bit when someone blasted a ball and a player like lift put his arm away. But you could, you kind of know whether it's there's a like a, an advantage being sought by the defender. But now they're just tying themselves in, up in knots. I mean, Mikey, you said, what is the actual law now? And that, it would take me about five to 10 minutes to actually read it out. I've read it out many times. Um, the, uh, and you're quite right. This whole thing about silhouette and making your proximity. body bigger, bigger and proximity. The one that really gets me is the arm in the unnatural position. Now, there is not... I mean, unless you actually screw your arm off and throw it over six, five yards away, that's the only time it's in an unnatural position. Because as we all know as footballers, when you go in, well, you two, some people know how to defend. Um, <laughs> but when you go in there, you, you, your arm is naturally going to, is, is forced into certain positions, not because you're deliberately trying to make yourself bigger. Um, it's a nonsense. It's a nonsense that I think they'll change or they'll probably make it even more complicated. Uh, no, <laughs> I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be so sure that they'll probably change. Are you? I mean, you, you just said that you take your 10 minutes to read the law out, yet a referee is expected to make a decision within two or three seconds. It's like, it's bonkers it, it is really absolutely is. crazy if they simplified it and went back to just say to deliberate i would still be having one or two rows about oh whether yeah. it was handball or not but at least to get rid of all the shit of proximity and silhouette and it's oh natural and unnatural and it's like oh, jesus honestly whether it flicks your toenail just before it goes and before you knock it in the back of the net. It's a ridiculous thing to say, really. It's a, a turning point for Manchester City, the second half, because they had go by their standards through a, a little bit of a sticky spell. Um, but they are world champions. We, we should mention that as well. Yeah, I, I think when, when we're speaking about City, it's not like they're, they're back. We just hold them to a high standard. That's what it is. They've been incredible over the last couple of years, winning the, the Club World Cup, and you expect them to win every single week. And it becomes difficult, especially when you've got Doku out, De Bruyne out, Haaland out. But what I've, I enjoy about this team, they're coming back from losing positions a lot I think they've got 11 points or something from losing positions and it allows people like Phil Foden to show his true quality we all know how good he is we, he sort of went on a little bit of a slump and now he's playing in that number 10 role where you can see exactly how beneficial he can be to this team I really like the move of, of Guardiola at left back as well. He's a centre half, but I just thought he gives so much energy to the to the team when he came on as well. I thought Grealish did all right winning fouls as well. I just think they've got over this rocky period and now they've got the big guns to come back. So yeah, they might not win the league. I think they will, but they'll certainly be challenged for it. I, I think um going to Everton in the form that they've been in on the last sort of, what, five games to go to Everton and, and get the win. Is it a concern for them at all that I think it's eight games now where they've not kept a clean sheet? I think as a defender, it's always a concern because you want to keep a clean sheet. You want to do the best you can. You, you want to be known as one of the best defenders in the league. It's not helped. Uh, Diaz was out yesterday. And the thing is what strikes me as a defender trying to play in this system, they've all sort of conquered it 
on the ball. So when they're going into the positions and when they want to retain the ball, it's fantastic. But sometimes when you have a Guardiola in left-back positions or Ake in left-back positions, they can do the job very well, but they're naturally centre-half. So I believe in this team, you get exposed a lot as a defender. And yeah, I'd be looking at thinking that we've, we've got, if we want to win the league, we've, we've got to sort this out. But you know, you've always got the firepower up front to bail you out as well. So it's a catch-22, really. Foden was world-class last oh. night, by the way. Oh, no, he was superb. I mean, He's a wonderful oh, footballer. What a footballer. It's yeah. unbelievable, He's isn't he? Yeah. yeah, he is, yeah. I just want to make make it absolutely clear that, yes, I know that Manchester City kept a clean sheet in the Club World Championship because... Um, we're talking about you, the league, the pedants, guys, We're talking we? about the Premier League. <laughs> we're talking about Before the Premier League. Before you pedants leap all over me. <laughs> <laughs> do you enjoy co-coms, Al? Yeah, I do. I really, I really, I love it, actually. Yeah, it's, um, it's, I think it makes you more involved in the game. Um You've got a great position up high watching it, and it's it's. I think it's. I find it so much easier looking at different things, you know, because you're looking down on the pitch and rather than looking on a TV screen or whatever. Like we we do a lot of the time in, when we're sat there in the uh, in the studio, but when you're there and you're looking down on it, it's, I think it's easier to to uh, to analyze. So, and you've got to see as you see straight away, haven't you? It's it's it's. A, I think it's a bit more pressure doing it, yeah. But I really enjoy it. Yeah. I was going to ask you that because. Obviously, when we, we do match of the day or we do a live game, you've got sort of time yeah. to, to tell the people and set up exactly what you want to do. In COCOMs, you've got to make that split decision, haven't you? Yeah. And you know what social media is like. You get one of them wrong yeah. and they're on you. So big Ali McCoyst, Ali McCoyst, he's the only commentator trending for the right reasons. He's, he's the only one. He is good. He's brilliant, Ali. Yeah. He, he was the only one. Now, now, uh, Alan, now, now Alan, that's what I was about to say. <laughs> and now, Alan, you've been getting love over the socials. Uh, well, that, that might, that, that, you know that you're only as good as your next game. The next game could be shit. <laughs> yeah. and, and, and your next game's tonight. Thursday uh, next night, game, guys. I'm doing, uh, I'm a pundit tonight with uh, ah. myself and Thierry Henry. And I think Jermaine Defoe's doing it as well. So, yeah, yeah Arsenal, yeah. West Ham. Yeah, um, I, I don't know about you, Micah, but I was flicking around um, with the games yesterday, watched kind of the first half an hour of um, his Wolves game, then I've, I've watched a bit of Chelsea, um, and then at half time did, did the same sort of thing. Uh, Chelsea um, scrambled through. Um, I think uh, we've talked about their signings, but I I see something in, in Mudrick. I think there's something in there. Um, he, he he scored a goal. He's got three goals now. Um, he's he's quick. So to show a few signs. I think. I mean, he, he ought to. It cost hundred hundred million, but also. Um, but that's not his fault. But um, yeah, and also I thought you know Conor Gallagher continues to play. He's he's putting in a good shift for them as well. His numbers are really good actually. Um, if you look at them, Conor Gallagher. But they would slight. I think a bit lucky with. the Penalty. I watched a bit of it this morning. Um, I saw the, the penalty decision. It's one of those again. It's like it's falling against with it. But one day you'll get that. The next you won't. So yeah. I can't go too over the top about that decision because I mean there was a little bit of contact, and when there is, then it's difficult to argue against it. So, but I think Chelsea needed that win, you know, massively because oh, yeah. the pressure would have been ranked right up if they didn't take three points there. I tell you, who was outstanding? 
not just you guys, all of them as well. Gusto, the the, the fullback. Mm. When he came into the team, was it 10 games ago? And then he got injured and he didn't, uh, Reese James came back into the team and was sort of playing, tried to play them both. And he was playing on the right a little bit. But he can defend and he can attack. He's got so much energy. He did so well uh, for for the first goal for Chelsea for, with the assist. And I just love him. He's a modern day fullback, but he's an old school one as well because he can defend. There's so many times Jordan Ayew faced him one-on-one and he didn't dive in. He waited, he had patience and then made the tackle at the last minute. I think he's going to be outstanding. It was at um, Leon. And you you watch the French league, and sometimes you wonder how good it is. And there's some really good players over there that to come here. And he's still only young as well. He has got a bright future. Seriously, has really good performance from him. Terrific win for Wolves away from home. Four goals. Huang again with another two. I think that takes him to ten now this season, which is two fewer than Mo Salah and um, and Solanke. Is another t- a surprise um, at the top of the leaderboard in terms of goals this season. But um, I felt for um, Nathan Collins a bit. A couple of t- terrible mistakes he he made. Yeah, so I only again I saw the highlights. Only the uh, this morning, um, yeah, it looked it looked a bad day at the office for uh, for him and for for Brentford. I mean, they're they're dropping a bit, aren't they, Brentford? Um, Gary O'Neill and Wolves. Wow, what what a job he's uh, he's doing. I mean, we spoke earlier in the season, didn't we, about the decision for Bournemouth and whether it was going to work for them. I mean, as it happens, both teams, both Wolves and Bournemouth, are flying and both getting uh, both getting good results. So it looks as if it's worked out for the better for both of them. Al, can I just ask you, when you did your coaching badges, what, what is the process from getting your badges and then being a manager? I know we always take the mick, but I'd love to know the transition from one to the other because we've seen Gary O'Neill speak so many times. He speaks very well. Tactically, he knows exactly what he wants for his teams. But then thirdly, he's able to implement that as well, which it looks like he's got the, the full package. I think I think what, what, in my experience, people might find it differently. What my, when I did my coaching badges, what the biggest thing I took out of that is, it's how to how to organise, how to um, have a group of uh, blokes in front of you or women in front of you and be able to put them in a coaching setup and having the numbers and working all that out, etc. The one thing that it doesn't handle you for is the issue, the everyday issues that you have as a manager is that when someone comes in and says, I'm injured or I don't want to play or I've got a problem with a family or there's an issue at home or there's... I mean, you're dealt issues every single day and ultimately... How you get over those issues, I know that results matter, but you've got, you, that's that's the big thing is that's what the coaching badges don't do. I mean, I heard a manager say the other day is that nothing, even your coaching badges don't plan you. Oh, it was Rob Edwards when he said about the Tom Lockyer situation and what he had to handle and everything. No one tells you, it's just the instinct and what you are as a person. And, and that's eventually, I think, how you sort of get, get through it and whether you're successful or not. But yeah, the coaching badges do for the sessions and all of that, but... The, the big things that they, they don't teach you at all how to deal with things like that. The man-to-man management side as, as well and, and and how to treat one player compared with another player and, and how to bring out the best in, in different people. And I think there's the assumption, I mean, always, isn't it, that when the big game 
players, the ones that have had incredible careers. Take Wayne Rooney, for example. Um, you, you sort of think, well, he's, he's imagine having him as a coach. It's bound to work for him. But it's as it's proven life at Birmingham and hopefully he'll turn it around. Um, it, it, it's difficult, isn't it? I would think it's especially, I mean, you did it out for a short period and you you absolutely, obviously, one of the one of the great players. Well, fairly average at times, but mostly you were one of the great, great players. I'm and, getting um, a lot of love on the bottom of you two. It must be Christmas or something. I'm getting far too much love off you two. I don't like it. I much prefer it when you're horrible. All right, Al, you're a wanker. Um, so... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I butted in. What were you going to say? Uh, Carry no, on. No, I, I'm just saying because I, do you think that sometimes if you, you're a, a great player like yourself, like Wayne Rooney, you know, like s s others that have gone into management, Thierry Henry, for example, it must be really difficult being with players of an inferior talent or mm. work ethic or whatever it is. Yeah. It must must be frustrating. Yeah, that's that's one of the things that I found really difficult. Is is that um, not so much? It's not so much being the player, it's actually when someone hasn't got the same attitude as you, you know, and haven't got that same desire to win as you, as you. And that's the, that's the hardest thing. It's like, that's what I found really, really frustrating. It's hard to instill that as well, isn't it? No, I, I just wanted to ask you, I know we're going a little bit off topic here, but while we're talking about people in position in, in management, so how, how do you deal with your pundit so how do you get the best at, so if you've got the show and we've all got different personalities haven't we so it's exact same as, as a dressing room Alan's talking about um, someone having wanting to have that that whirl and have that that right attitude to do, to be the best they can be so when you've got pundits and you're working with them how do you know or what do you do to get the best out of the pundits to make it a good show for people to watch I don't see myself as as the boss I don't it's not I, I see myself as just one of of, of the team now m for me what I've got to do in that show is 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 try and make the people that I'm working with if it's you two for example comfortable and know exactly how to guide you into what you want to talk about so as you well know during each match on match of the day which the edit might be somewhere between six to 12 minutes depending on how good the game is during that period of time we work out oh well you tell me what your analysis is and then I work away uh, of getting into it. Um, if we've got new people in, it's kind of my job to make them feel comfortable. So I don't really see myself, obviously I'm the, the presenter and, and, and I guide the show because, you know, I determine the questions and stuff like that. But I don't see myself like, like a manager figure. Um, I do with this podcast. I mean, I do it there. <laughs> <laughs> so boys be on your game your top game I don't know I, I, I don't I, I can't imagine ever standing up in front of a load of people and giving them a motivational speech but I, I'm perfectly you know come on you know you're turning up for me and that's what I appreciate I'm more of an arm round a shoulder kind of coach um, but yeah it is it's it's an interesting one it's totally different I think um, um, the, the television side and, and also as well the team changes almost every week as different you know as different two pundits or three in the effort or sometimes in internationals and uh, when, when we do tournaments abroad. But no, I ne I've never seen my, I just feel my, that I've got a slightly different role. I don't feel like I'm, I'm the boss in any way, but um, interesting question. I'll give it some more thought while we take a break. <laughs> 
Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Want to be more active this summer? Sierra helps you save on everything from swimsuits to stand-up paddleboards, tennis rackets to fishing tackle. And if that doesn't float your boat, we also have pool floats. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now. Go! Welcome back to The Rest is Football with me, Gary Lineker, Micah Richards and Alan Shearer. I was going to turn our attention to the Boxing Day fixtures. Um, Stunning comeback from Manchester United, but I want to start um, with Newcastle. Get that out of the way because I know that um, worry a little bit worrying at the moment, um, Alan Newcastle. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it wasn't uh, it wasn't good viewing, was it? Um, I thought Forest were fantastic and everything they did. I thought their plan was to target Newcastle in behind, in particular Dan Byrne uh, with the pace of uh, Elanga and it worked perfectly for them. Um, No complaints, Newcastle were terrible uh, as they were at Luton um, a few days before. So yeah, it's a little bit bit concerned, particularly when their next three league fixtures are Liverpool, City and Villa and then they've got Sunderland in between that in the uh, in the FA Cup so it's a big uh, it's a big two or three weeks coming up for Newcastle massive huge it's it's funny isn't it that, that Chris Wood who played I think 20 games <laughs> at, at, at St James's Park for, for Newcastle only scored from one penalty one penalty, goal in yeah. 20 and then he goes back there and yeah. scores a hat trick against. It's a daft game at times, isn't it? It was, and he was, he was fantastic. And he should have had four because they should have passed him. I think it was Alanga went through and didn't pass him with an open goal. But yeah, he was brilliant and was by far the man of the match. And I think he was very, he was very respectful in his lack of celebration at St James's Park. But um, yeah, he was, he was brilliant. As were the rest of the Forest team. What about the interviews afterwards when the reporter said to him, that's not very Chris Wood-like talking about his finishing? <laughs> did he really? I didn't see that. I didn't see that. Cheers, mate. I would say that's a tad disrespectful. He took it well. He took it well and then laughed it off. I was thinking... What a champion! Because some uh, of them finishes were delightful. Yeah. Wow. God, they were. They? Yeah. yeah. Two of them were. Two of them. The one he went round the goalkeeper, which is like a dying art. That that particular skill you don't see it very often. It was one that I used to really enjoy doing because when keepers running out at you at speed and you're running at yeah. them at speed. It's such an easy thing to do. You just faint to shoot, drag it to either the left or the right. And, you know, it's so difficult for a goalkeeper because as long as you make sure the ball goes wide enough, 
the keeper's only got, he's either going to try and get the ball. And if not, there's every chance that he'll, he'll bring you down, even if you don't score. So um, it's, it, it's a finish you don't see as frequently. I wonder why that is. Maybe that's what the reporter was referring to, Micah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you don't see finishing uh, like that anymore. Uh, not from Chris Wood anyway. No, you don't. Brilliant. Um, Nuno Espirito Santo's coming, obviously, for, for Steve Cooper. You need an early victory under those circumstances. I know it didn't quite happen for them late on in, in, in his first game, but um, for morale and all those kind of things. I think, you know, you often see, don't you, a, a little managerial bump, as they call it, when they they first come in although I think the statistics actually show that that's pretty much a myth um, overall but um, he seems to have got a response anyway yeah he, he really has and and don't forget that first game that he played was against Bournemouth and Willie Bowley got sent off for that ridiculous second yellow card so they yeah. was down to 10 men and they lost the game uh, 3-2 in that one and then I've had a really good performance Again, so fair play to him. I always thought he was a good manager at Wolves. Um, they played really good football. Didn't quite happen for him at Spurs. Probably the wrong time to take the job, but I really like him as a manager. I think he's got a clear plan of how he wants to play. He's going to play with pace on the counter-attack, try to win the ball high. Like like majority of managers are doing now. We always say, what is their philosophy? What is their style of play? But a lot of the modern managers now tend to try and play this, the same way in which way they press. So, yeah, positive signs for Nottingham Forest. And um, I'm glad to see him back, to be honest. Yeah, Nuno Espirito Santa, it's, it's quite unusual because he was a goalkeeper. You don't see many goalkeepers going into management. I actually played for one, Jock Wallace, of my first manager at, at Leicester. He was a his goalkeeper, came down from Scotland. But it is quite rare... It, it, there are not many around. Not are many other. No, there isn't many at all, is there? No. It's actually quite surprising to see a goalkeeper because it, they've got it's like such a individual business, isn't it? It's, it's almost separate from the rest of football. Not so much probably as it used to be because goalkeepers have got to be able to play now, haven't they? And um, to get to the very top, to be able to build from the back, and that's. I think what you're trying to say. What you're trying to say is, is that they're a strange bunch of goalkeepers, aren't they? <laughs> Uh, that's putting it mildly, from my experience. <laughs> Tim Flowers was Tim assistant Flowers, at manager yeah. for a little while. Yeah. And then yeah. he went on to be um, a manager for a little while too, didn't he? Um, he did. What was he like for you, Alan? Because he, he was, was a great lad, honestly. Amazing he person a great lad. at City. He was mad though, wasn't he? he was, oh, that's what we're talking about, goalkeepers being mad. He, he sort of epitomised what a goalkeeper is like, but... In a great way. He was brilliant for our dressing room. But yeah, he was complete bonkers. <laughs> In what way? Just like his personality, wasn't he? But you work with him as well, Micah, yeah. Effin and Jeffin, he used to, he used to, he used to just come in the dressing room. Are, are we having it Sam today? Are we having it Sam? I'm like, are we having what? We're going to train, Flowers. He's just like, it's not that deep, relaxed, but he just had an infectious yeah. personality. And when he stepped into the room, he could just light it up. And he would always be honest. You wouldn't always like the truth. He would come in and say, Fucking hell, you had a stinker today, didn't you? I'm like, cheers, cheers. But he was all, he was always honest, and yeah, yeah, I loved him. I loved him, really did. Brilliant. A bit worrying the amount of injuries Newcastle are picking up, Alan. 
I mean, again at the weekend. That's they didn't look. look. They, I mean, Botman's come back and Dan Burns come back, and I mean, they they didn't look anywhere near fit. They looked a yard, two yards short to what they're normally uh, to what they normally are. I mean, they've set because I mean Eddie went back to his trusted back four, didn't he? Went with Trippier, Cher, Botman, and Dan Burn, which have have been really successful for him um, over the past sort of 18 months or so. So he went back to that. But those two in particular, Botman and Byrne, didn't look anywhere near fit. I mean, I don't know. I haven't got a clue what's going on. Um, it's difficult. It's difficult to, unless you're inside the, 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 the training ground, you haven't got a clue what's going on. So looking at them on the pitch like everyone else did, they looked miles off it. They, they really did. Um, let's turn our attention to uh, Manchester United's uh, comeback. Um, could be a big turning point for them that I mean obviously they've had a few injuries this season they have been struggling Ten Hag was supposedly under pressure you've got Jim Ratcliffe come in now it's actually happened um, with that 25% stake and um, they, I, I don't know how that works in terms of how they turn around their form on the pitch um, but it, I, I, I suppose that's more of a long long term thing a long term goals in, in changing it but um, nevertheless um, after what, what was it 20 minutes or so there were two down you thought blimey this fella's in trouble here is he I mean you can never read um, the owner's minds in terms of how close a manager is to to having his job um, in peril but um, it did look a little bit <laughs> disconcerting for him at that stage but they came back whatever he said at half time really worked in fact I felt for the second half of the first half they actually started to play reasonably well and dominate the game but um, it was hell of a comeback outstanding Patrice Everest said at, at half-time, if Man United keep playing the same way, they're going to win 3-2. And I actually thought in the first half they was doing all right, but they just wasn't taking their chances or the runs that Alan always mentions on, on match of the day. It's, like, it's almost like a yard off. But second half, they just got this belief from somewhere. And I'm actually happy. Obviously, I don't want Man United to do better than Man City, never. But I'm happy because the club has become so toxic and we're seeing good players look very average and the better than this, the better than what they are showing. Me and Alan did a, a start on the, what was the last couple of games. There was one goal and one assist between them. And they've changed that now. Um, you've seen the relief in Hoyland's uh, face when he scored that goal. It was almost like... Yes, every, all the pressure's been lifted. I can go play my normal game because he's done all right in the Champions League. And then Ganacho scores two goals again. And he's a, a real good talent. Um, he's not looked the level that we should because of the teams that he's, he's been in, the environment he's been in. But he's a real prospect. And if they can keep that going, Rashford, when Rashford plays well, the team play better as well. So, yeah, let's hope they keep it going. I mean, I don't think it was rocket science, was it? I mean, because we talked about it on Match of the Day about putting Garnaccio switched in from the left to the right. Um, and that worked. Rashford came in. He looked really up for it, um, which he, uh, I don't think he has in when he's, when he's been playing or when he's been fit. And he looked really up for it. So with Garnaccio right, him left. Um, and then Hoyland down the middle. Yeah, it, it was a great second half comeback. They were much better. They were at it. I mean, Bruno pressing. Um, that's that's how they they got one of their goals because he won the uh, won the ball in the middle when they were pressing high. So it was um, it was a huge result for Ten Hag, and uh, it should I say it should it should give them big confidence going forward, particularly Garnacho, 
Pimp, particularly Hoyland, who got his first Premier League goal. I mean, you could see the relief on his face. I mean, I thought he was going to burst when he was doing his, <laughs> yeah. his celebrations. And rightly so, because you can imagine the pressure, unfairly at times, because um, we've said it, haven't we? He, he, he should be in and he should be out. He should be learning and he should be in and looking, OK, he'll have a rest one day and then back in again. And uh, and But because of the transfer fee and because of the situation at Old Trafford, He's had to play more than he should have been, and that's been tough on him. Um, but, yeah, the relief that he'll have, goodness me, be huge. It's just as well you don't have to be a rocket science to understand and talk about the tactics of football. Otherwise, we'd all be fucked, wouldn't we? <laughs> that is true. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. Uh, <laughs> Jim Radcliffe's coming in. Who knows how long it'll take them to, to start spending or whether they'll spend or what he's going to do, but... If, if you were Jim Ratcliffe and you could make a couple of instant decisions or transfers, because the window's obviously just very close now, what would you get? What would you go for? What do they need? They need a top-class centre-forward. We say that about most teams, don't we? Except the teams with a top-class centre-forward, I suppose. They need because- a top-class centre-half as well. Yeah, yeah. I think they need three or four big players in there to to get anywhere near to where they want to be. It's going to take time with that with that football club because it's not going to happen instantly. It's got they've gone so far down and got so far behind the rest that it's going to take time and it's going to take three or four or five big players to get in there and to rattle things up. Yeah, a lot a lot of work to do uh, for Manchester United. Aston Villa, if they'd have hung on there, we'd have start we'd have been starting to talk about you know possible title aspirations and stuff but a little bit of not a reality check because I think um, everyone knows but you know they're still putting on a, a good performance and and I think I think realistically we always thought if they could get top five that would be a hell of an achievement wouldn't it outstanding achievement yeah we all agreed on that I think um, they're still having a go though you know with, with Villa having having been there having know the passionate fans having know what the club means to everyone in the city and it means that to, to, to every team as well but the, the villains are so passionate and I just believe we talked about before January is massive for them because they've got a real good opportunity now to get in the Champions League we said it might be fourth, it could be fifth. And they just they, they need a little bit more just where, to help where? them along. Again, we talk about strikers. I think they need another striker. Watkins has been great though, hasn't he, this season? Yeah, well, he's been been great. Um I think at the back they're all right. They've got Tyron Mings coming back. I think full back they could do with another option. I would say you've got concert. Playing right back, very good. Matty Cash is, is brilliant and sometimes he's playing him on, on, on the right side of, of midfield. Just, I don't know, maybe one more creative midfielder. I don't know, they've got Buendia to come back as well. But just, yeah, just little players who can plug the gaps for when a couple of the major players are out, I would say. They're certainly going well at present, um, as are Bournemouth. Four wins on the bounce, most informed team. Um, I think you mentioned them earlier about the the fact that they switched managers and we were pretty critical of of that. And they've kind of been proved, I wouldn't say they've been proved right, but they've they've been proved wrong and they've been proved right, if you understand what I mean, because Gary O'Neill has done so well at Wolves. They've let someone go that was clearly talented, but they've brought in a guy that has done equally as well. Um, so... 
You've got a centre forward, though. If you've got a forward who can put the ball in the back of the net and he can get you 12, tw anything between 12 and 16 or 17 in a season, that'll propel you as a football club six or seven places up the league. Um, Alan, and that's Alan, Alan. Huge. If if you'd have said when you played, oh, I'm going to get t between 12 and 16 or 17 goals this season, you'd have been in a state of depression. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but the standards, Gary, you know that. Come on. Well, well, Solanke scored 12. <laughs> he scored 12 already, in, and he's in just 18 games. So that yeah, yeah that. And for yeah. him, you know, we did it. We did it something on match of the day, didn't we? About him, he scored goals in the championship. But we, we know the huge gap between the Championship and the Premier League. His next step was, can he go in? And it's tough at times because you, a lot of it, you're playing in a struggling team who are battling for points week in, week out. But you have to go out and if you if you want to be spoken about in terms of going to the next level, you have to score goals. And this season, in the best league, that's why we're talking about him. He's doing that. And it's no coincidence that he's doing that. And then Bournemouth are flying and, and mid-table. Mid so for them, that's amazing. You see the ball boy incident. Yeah, I, I say that because it it burnt Leno. Just gave the little lad, wasn't he, on the <laughs> on the side of the pitch, who was holding the ball and kind of didn't throw it to him, and he gave him <laughs> just gave him a little nudge, a little push, didn't he? And he, we, of which burnt Leno, you know, he waved to the crowd apologetically afterwards, and also apologised after the final whistle. But it just reminded me of um, an incident. Jimmy Hill, when he was um, a pundit, I can't remember, it must have been 12, 14 years ago, something like that. I think it was an FA Cup tie, and it was definitely Blackburn. And I think the game was running down or something. I think it was a ball girl, and, and she gave the ball quickly to the opposition, and they took the throwing quickly and scored. And Jimmy Hill lambasted the ball girl after the game in punditry. <laughs> and the world and the world went mad saying, and, and quite rightly so, I felt on that particular occasion, because, I mean, he placidly blamed the defeat on a ball girl. Jimmy Hill. Uh, I can, you can understand the frustration of, uh, of Leno, can't you? It's like when you're, you're desperately trying to get the ball and the ball boy's just about, looking away as he was and had no intention of throwing the ball back early and you can think give me the fucking ball will you it's like and then Buddy had to go back and apologise and rightly so yeah we've got the transfer window coming up um, but we've also got the uh, Africa Cup of Nations and the uh, Asian Cup as well um, a lot of players um, will be travelling will be missing um, for a few weeks at least and Newcastle not affected Alan don't think they've got anyone and neither are Manchester City um, do you think when clubs buy players now they take that into account at all that they might be because the Africa Cup of Nations played every other year isn't it um, do they take that into account do you think when their recruitment at all the fact that they might miss a player for a few weeks every other season or depends on desperate they are for that uh, for that yeah. player in that position don't they but I think it's acceptable isn't it that the better players that you're signing the the likelihood is that they're going to be playing in some form of competition um, and you may miss them but I wouldn't yeah, yeah they'll look at it but I don't think it would put anyone off from signing a top player no yeah, and, and and obviously it's a hugely prestigious. Um, well, both of them are competitions that Africa Cup of Nations as well is massively important uh, to them. So I look forward to to seeing some of that football as as well. Who's who's going to be affected the most? Do you think by the Africa Cup of Nations, particularly or the Asian Cup? Because Song goes, doesn't he, from um, from Spurs? Um, Huang, obviously from Wolves, who's been who's been flying, banging in the goals. Um, Mo Salah. 
There's a number of players. Well, Liverpool miss Salah, won't they? Doesn't I mean he's he's incredible. Has been for years for Liverpool. It's changed so many games for them. So there's no doubt he'll miss them. West Ham, Kudus. Yep, he's a, he's really good as well. I like Kudus yeah. a lot. I would say Spurs with Son. You know, for the way Spurs want to play, he's integral. Uh, on that counter attack, and he can play wherever left, or he can play up front. He can play number ten. I think Spurs. Yeah, we've got to see where Madison is. Where Madison needs to hurry up and get back ASAP. We can play with Charleston up front and put Madison from the left, but he just hasn't got the same punches as Son. I think Liverpool creates so much. The likes of Jota. Jota just comes on and scores every time now. It's getting ridiculous. He's become the new Solskjaer. Uh, I just think Spurs, I'm looking at and thinking. Well, Basuma and Saar as well, I presume. Saar yeah. as well. His and energy don't forget, R- and Romero's just got injured as well. And apparently he's out for four or five weeks. I mean, that's going to be a, t- a tough little period uh, for Tottenham. I would imagine the lad, the lad players in the in the transfer window, those Spurs, wouldn't they? So um, they, they, I think they'll cover themselves with like in that. Possibly Anana, Manchester United. Yeah. <laughs> what are you laughing at, Michael? <laughs> Alan just says yeah. Dis- slightly dismissive, wasn't he? <laughs> <laughs> Although he did, he did have he did have one big save of the night, didn't he? When uh, when Villa were pushing back to get back in, <laughs> into the game, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. As my as my oh, mother always said, if you've got nothing nice to say, don't say anything at all. Quiet, <laughs> oh, he said, yeah. <laughs> Uh, you're out of order, Shira. You're out of order. Oh, uh, never said a word. <laughs> no, yeah. on, on that note, where are you going, Alan? You're a pundit tonight. You're a pundit. Yeah, yeah on my way to uh, on my way to down to Arsenal to watch Arsenal West Ham. Arsenal West Ham. That should be should be a cracker. Who are you with, Al? Thierry and Jermaine Defoe. Uh, yeah, your and, mate uh, Thierry. Who's the best striker out of you three? I heard you say Thierry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. and, and Mike um, you're off on the hunt for more pigs and blankets by the sounds I mean, of it 100% I need to yeah. go get my own pigs and blankets this big uh, mistake uh, that was you, you should have come here for Christmas Mike I had loads of them I'm, and at home made as I made them myself as well so did you, you know, yeah not a packet but you got a packet <laughs> yeah Anyway, that's all we've got time for on today's uh, episode of The Rest is Football. Uh, Have a great New Year's Eve. Uh, We'll see you on New Year's Day reviewing the latest set of fixtures as the games continue to come thick and fast at this time of year. Bye from me. Bye from me. Goodbye from me. All the best. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. When I went on my last holiday to Cape Town, it was amazing. My friends were there, the weather was phenomenal, and most importantly, the food was fantastic. But one thing I struggled with was finding the right places to stay. You know, all I want is a great bed, a fantastic shower, and breakfast that doesn't end at 8 a.m. I'm on holiday, I'm still sleeping. I also like ease, and the Hotels.com app easily helps me to find a perfect hotel for every trip. 
Whether you're looking for a family-friendly getaway or a relaxing spa weekend, on the Hotels.com app, you can compare up to five hotels side-by-side. Now, why would you want to do that? So you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings. And best of all, you don't have to switch back and forth between options. See? Ease. So, start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today.